Jesus, you are the center of it all. Oh, we worship you this morning in this moment. As we enter into heavenly places with you, Lord Jesus, we kneel before you. We kneel before the throne of God Almighty. And we bow before you, Almighty God, in reverence, in holy reverence. We bow before you this morning. You are the center of it all. You are the center of it all. We focus our attentions on you, Almighty God. We bow before you. And we worship you. This is your church. Be the center of your church. Oh, Lord God Almighty. It is our prayer. It is our cry. It is our plea. From the depths of our heart, we cry out to you, oh Lord, be the center of it all, of your church, of us, of our lives, we pray. Thank you, Lord. We bless you. We bless you. We bless you in the name of Jesus. And everyone say, amen, amen. What a beautiful, beautiful time. What a beautiful time this morning of worshipping our wonderful Lord. And now Sister Sue is going to bring us a word over the communion. Wow, isn't it wonderful that we can come and worship the Lord like we do? And He is the centre. Make him the centre of our life. Can't you hear it? As you come into communion this morning, remember that he is the centre. He's the centre of everything. He's the centre of our lives. Make him the centre. I know sometimes that um, we, ourselves, our bodies push him out. Sometimes the infirmities that we feel make us the centre and not him the centre. I looked up the meaning of infirmities and it means a physical weakness or ailment, infirmities of age, lack of strength and a moral weakness or failing. And I think that we can all relate to some of those things sometimes, especially the lack of strength. Um, I don't know about you, but sometimes I've <laughs> I noticed that one. Sometimes it's the physical things that... Um, come and attack us and we take our eyes off Jesus and we put our eyes on ourselves. and Lord the Lord wants us to make him the center not ourselves not the things that are taking us our thoughts away from him and onto ourselves but but him so Lord when we have those feelings of infirmity we need to look to you and know that that's not the truth we know that we can come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. And the word grace means divine influence upon, the, upon our heart and its reflection in the life. Thank you.
The revelation we find here in Hebrews 4 is that Jesus does care for us. He understands the reality in which we live because he himself lived in a human body. Therefore, in our time of need, we can come and approach him boldly Amen. and find the grace, his grace, to help us. However, his grace is extended not just as a means of comfort in our time of need, but as a, in divine wisdom sent to influence our thinking, enabling us to rise above the fray and keep on going. So that's so good, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's so encouraging. It's so encouraging to know that he knows just how we're feeling when we're like that because he's been there too. We're not alone. If we make him the centre, we can overcome those things that bring us to that place. And so it says in Hebrews 10, 14, and by one perfect sacrifice, he made us perfectly holy and complete for all time. Amen. Not just now, but all time. Isn't that wonderful to know? Isn't it great to know that he's done so much for us? So as we come and take communion this morning and we remember... This is what the Lord himself said. And he asked us to do it together. On that night that he took bread, he was betrayed. The Lord, But he took the loaf of bread. And when he gave thanks, he broke it and said, This do in remembrance of me. So as we take the bread this morning, let's remember. Remember that we're not alone. That he is our centre and that we can trust in him to take us through anything, to help us get through. We're not alone. So let's take the bread together. Thank you, Lord. And then he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and ourselves, God and me. And he, sealed, and he sealed that by shedding of his blood. So as we take the blood, remember, he did that for us, for me. So let's take the, the cup together. Thank you, Lord, that you did it all for us. And that as we go out this week, we will remember that you are our centre. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much, Sue. A beautiful reminder of how precious communion is and what victory we have when we partake in it together. It's beautiful. So just a couple of announcements before we get into the, the Word today. I'm so excited for today's message. It's going to be really, really powerful. I'm so glad you've come to hear but first of all, just want to let you know about a couple of things. Uh, this Thursday night, for those who are attending the worship training, the worship team fellowship, uh, it will be on at 6 p.m. at my place. So come, um, everyone who knows, who, you know who you are, but just letting you know this week it's at our place. Uh, and also on Christmas Day, being a Sunday, 
we are still going to, to meet together here in the hall. And we're going to have a beautiful Christmas breakfast celebration together. Okay? So come along. If you, if you have um, family things to go to, then we totally understand. But we will still be meeting together. It'll be a beautiful time of um, just sharing food and fellowship and some, some Christmas carols and some songs as well. And Gary will have a short message. But just mark your date. If you've got nothing booked in for Christmas, please know that church is, is running and it's going to be such a beautiful time. We've got a few special things planned for that day. And just another calendar date to mark. The 4th of December, we're going to be doing baptism straight after the morning service. Come on. The 4th of December. So anyone who is thinking about being baptised or hasn't been baptised, please come and speak to either Pastor Gary or myself. We'd love to baptise you in the water. And last but not least, I'd like to ask Pastor Amel to come and share because we have another really special family time that is uh, coming up. Um, on the 2nd of December. So I'm going to let Pastor Amel uh, elaborate on that. Good morning. Good morning. Yep. Um, December 2, we're going to have our fellowship, meal fellowship. We call it the Shabbat. Remember our topic about Shabbat? So we're inviting everyone. Well, if you're a member of uh, Refinery Life Church Church, then you should be there. December 2 at 6.30. Yeah, 6.30 p.m. in Pastor Amanda's house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So it will be bring your own plate. So we're, we're going to doing a corporate Shabbat. And uh, you can invite your families, your, you know, your children. You can ask them to come and join. And it yeah, it's going to be a, we're going to be guiding and kind of showing how we're going to do the Shabbat. Not the legalistic way, but just a simplified way of, you know, celebrating according to God's word, of course. And yeah, so December 2, 6.30 p.m. And uh, if you're keen on joining, please uh, let us know. Maybe until next Sunday. Uh, invite your families, your children, and then by next Sunday, you let us know how many in your family are coming. Mm. Okay, so we can know how to prepare. Wonderful. We're about unity. We're about family. Not Not just us as a family, but our children and their families too. So this way we can sit down together and and just really enjoy that that time. It's precious time. So I hope you can make it. <laughs> now, I'd like to invite Pastor Gary. Hmm. He's got a really awesome word prepared. Amen. Good morning. That's a bit of a build-up, isn't it? Pastor Gary's got a really awesome word. <laughs> so there's no pressure this morning. No pressure this morning. Good morning. Who's had a good week? Who's had an average week? That's okay as well. Pastor Shane's had both. It's, it's, a, it's a roller coaster ride if you're Pastor Shane. As we were in worship, I, I had this word from the Lord and it fits in so well with today. So I'm actually going to finish our series up with the book of Acts today. But we're also going to break some stuff. 
So whoever's on the broom and the mop cleaning up later, I apologise in advance. If you're sitting in the front row or the second row, you may get hit by some stuff, and I apologise in advance for that as well. So get ready. Get ready. Actually, Michael said to me yesterday, I'm not sitting in the front row tomorrow. <laughs> but the Lord gave me this scripture. It's Luke 8, and we're going to start in, in verse 43. So I want to share this with you before we start, so you know where we're heading. It says, And a woman who suffered from a flow of blood for 12 years had spent all her living upon physicians, so all the money she'd spent on doctors, and could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind, so this is Jesus, there's a massive big crowd, she's pushed her way in. Come up behind him and touch the fringe of his garment, and immediately her flow of blood ceased. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all were denying it, Peter and those who were with him said, Master, the multitude surrounded you and pressed on you from every side. But Jesus said, someone did touch me, for I perceived that the healing power had gone forth from me. And when the woman saw that she'd not escaped notice, she came up trembling and falling down before him. She declared in the presence of all the people for what the reason she had touched him was. And now she had been instantly cured. And he said to her, this is the point, daughter, your faith, your confidence, your trust in me has made you well. Go and enter into peace. Untroubled, undisturbed with well-being, it says in the Amplified Bible. It's about faith, right? It's about faith. And today, you know, we're a new wineskin church. What happens when you pour new wine into old wineskins? They break. Guess what? We're going to break some stuff today. And you can be part of that, or you can be offended by it. It's up to you. Today's message comes with a caveat. If you're offended by it, we will pray with you afterwards. But we heard a great message from one of our, our dear friends, Pastor Kevin Ortiz. We were at a conference this week during the nights. Our dear friend, Pastor Kevin Ortiz, all the way from Texas, flew in just for a conference for a few days. And what he said was, God does not work with your emotions. He actually doesn't really care about your emotions. That's on you. I haven't even started yet. That's on you. He works with your spirit. That's in you. Let's pray for an offering before I get into this because I want to, um, I know I'm going to get sidetracked, okay? So you have to bear with me today. If you're watching online, welcome. We're glad you're here with us. The details for giving will be on the bottom of the screen. If you're here with us, you know the giving boxes are on either side. And um, we have FPOS so you can tap and go. It's the easy way to sow. Let's pray. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, we love you and honour you. You have continually reached down to us. We thank you in your, that in your wisdom, Lord, you've chosen to make your family, the church, triumphant. For the awesome record of its growth in Acts, we thank you. May we today continue to be the triumphant church until that day when your son shall come to claim us again. And it's in his name, it's in Jesus' name that we pray this morning. Amen. Amen. If you want to give, you know what, this is the first thing we're going to break. And I apologize to anyone cleaning up. 
I don't need to tithe. This is old wineskin we're talking about here. I don't need to tithe. The church only wants my money. The old wineskin's broken. That went a bit further than what I expected. <laughs> We've got to get this. If you want to call yourself new wineskin, you want the new wine, don't be the old wineskin. Can we pray the Lord's Prayer? So we're going to break some stuff today. That went a lot further than what I expected. Sorry, Michael, did it hit you? <laughs> Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Whose power is it? It's his. Whose kingdom is it? It's his. Forever. As Sue said, it's not just for now, it's forever. So today we're going to continue our series. The books from the New Testament, the inspired writers, these guys that were there, they knew Jesus, they wrote these books. What was their emphasis? The books of the New Testament contain the written testimony of these writers because they knew him. They knew what he was trying to accomplish in the hearts and the lives of the people around him. And that includes us. This series is based on the first five books as we know. We've done Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. So we're up to the book of Acts. And today we're going to talk about the triumphant church. Because the church is the triumphant, right? If you read the last book in the Bible, it will tell you that. We win. We win. The text we're going to concentrate on is Acts 1.8. But you shall receive power when you, sorry, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and in Southport and in Broad Beach Waters and in wherever, surfers and to the end of the earth. You know, we prayed on Thursday night. We're at the conference, and we prayed for all the young ones. And I know on Wednesday night, Pastor Amel and the people that were there were praying for the young ones. Because schoolies is on, right? I don't know why our city encourages this. You know, on Thursday night, and it wasn't on the news, a 17-year-old girl fell from a balcony and died at schoolies. Not publicised. We have the power to do something about that. We have the power to do something about it. To the ends of the earth. The scriptures we're going to work through are Acts 1, 1 through to 8. So let us read them together. If you've got your Bible, open it up. I'll just have a little look over here to see what else we can break today while we're in it. There's a few there. Verse 1. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to both do and teach. Isn't that what we should be doing? Until the day in which he was taken up after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given the commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. 
to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during the 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And then the Holy Spirit was promised. Verse 4, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. Now, sometimes he's actually telling you to wait. Wait. In fact, I think I've got one of them. Let me find it. I'm too busy doing my own ministry to be part of the church. If that's you, that's old wineskin. Verse 5, for John truly baptised with water, but you shall be baptised with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Come on. Therefore, you know when there's a therefore? There must have been something before. When they had come together, they asked him saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Even the disciples didn't know what Jesus was there for. And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But you shall receive power from the Holy Spirit when he's come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in all Jerusalem and in all Judea and all Samaria and even to the ends of the earth. That includes Victoria, you know that? The book of Acts records the thrilling story of the growth and the victories of a triumphant church. I hear all the time, we're going to be an Acts church from people. We are the Acts church. I don't see that happening in too many places, but it could. If you've got the faith for it. From a handful of 120 people in chapter 1, the infant church grew to 3,000 in chapter 2. These weren't just random people there. These were people waiting because they knew Jesus was going to be there. They knew what was going on. They knew the Holy Spirit was coming. If you want more on that, you can have a chat to Nick later. I'm sure he'll fill you in. In the face of persecution and martyrdom, in the face of COVID, the church of Acts continued to march on like a mighty army. You know, 30% of Christians who attended church did not return to church after COVID because their churches shut down. Where are they now? We grew during that time. We continued to march forward. In the face of persecution, we continued to march forward. The church's arch enemy, Saul of Tarsus, was conquered by the grace of God and became its greatest advocate. The man whose role was to go around murdering Christians became Christianity's greatest advocate because he had that touch from Jesus, didn't he? Could you imagine it? Jesus appears in front of you and says, what are you doing? You can kick against the goads as much as you like. How many of us have, have done that? 
Right, we have. Not since we've been together, but we did it individually before that. <laughs> On three missionary journeys, this convert to the Christian faith, Paul, established churches from one end of the Roman Empire to the other. That's what we're called to do. Now, we had 20 or 21 people at Yatla last week. Come on. With all due respect to the pastors that have their morning service there, that's probably twice as many as they have. Praise the Lord. For 15 years, it seems that wherever Paul placed his foot, a New Testament church sprang up. Antioch, Ephesus, Philippi, Iconium, Lystra, Derby, even Rome. Everywhere he went, there were churches popping up. You know what? We're called to do the same thing. The triumphant church is the theme that echoes throughout the 28 chapters of the book of Acts. Are we a triumphant church? Do we want to be a triumphant church? Yes, we do. Hang on a minute. I should have put these in some sort of order. Here we go. This is an awesome one. I hear this almost every week. Are we a triumphant church? You are the church, right? I don't need to go to church. I am the church. That's old wineskin. That's all right. We broke it. So if you want to say you're the church, you better be doing something. I'll get to our first point today. <laughs> the people who are going to clean up aren't saying, come on, Gary. <laughs> We need to <laughs> I'll get to the first point this morning. The purpose, what is the purpose of the triumphant church? What is the purpose? Because I hear it all the time. I am the church. I don't need to go. Oh, the church just wants my money. I don't need to tithe. What's the purpose of the church? Christ knew that for the church to become triumphant, its marching orders must be clear. Its purpose had to be spelled out in a manner that no one could misunderstand. If you want to know what our church's purpose is, there's a vision over there, which you can have a look at later. So Jesus said in Acts 1.8, you shall receive power. This is our purpose. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You know, the end of the earth is even to your neighbor, to your boss, to that horrible person you work with. They could be the end of the earth for you. You need to witness to them. The marching orders were clear. The purpose of the church without question is you shall be witnesses. I don't need to go to church. I am the church. Awesome. Who are you witnessing to? Because if you think you're a leader and no one's following, you're just going for a walk. Is everyone okay? Haven't offended too many people yet? Is anyone offended? Give me time. 
You shall be witnesses. That's the church's purpose. And we've got a goal to be a little bit more rowdy than the children's church today. (laughs) Pastor Shane and Pastor Cindy said we couldn't do it, but maybe we'll let them clean up our mess afterwards. (laughs) So what's the secret of witnessing? You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Have you felt it when you walk past someone in the street and the Holy Spirit says, stop, come pray for that person? And you try and fight it? Power is never obtained by the pursuit of it for itself. If you're chasing power, you're never going to get it. You might have power in your own little space, but that's it. The power always goes with commission. Always goes with commission. If the Lord said, plant a church, the power will come. If the Lord said, go to South Korea, guess what? The power will come. Spend some time talking to Apostle Di and see what happens when the power comes. It came to the disciples at Pentecost, didn't it? It comes to anyone whenever they squarely face an undertaking that's been given by God. Churches often pray, oh Lord, give us power and forget that the essential part of the answer is in their own hands. If you want it, do something with it. Pastor Kevin, our friend, shared a a story with me the other day. We preached in his church maybe five or six years ago in Texas. Beautiful church, big building. They, They do an altar call and there's people, we've got photos of it. There's people lined up around the walls ready to get prayer. It's incredible. Not a big church, but they serve a big God. And when people come, they come. I said to him, How, how's the church going? It looks like you've done some renovations. He said to me, you know, we didn't tell the congregation what we were doing, but we believe that every time $10,000 come in, we would do some renovations and improve the church. And they just did it. And he said, you know, once we got partway through a project and we were running out of money, more money would come in. That's faith. You know, in five years, five years, they've done over a million dollars worth of renovations to a little church in the Rio Grande Valley. Not a wealthy area. That's faith. When power comes, because you've got a commission, watch the Lord move. That's the answer to tackling something definite for which you need the power for. So what about witnessing? You shall be witnesses to me. It's pretty clear, isn't it? You won't be witnesses for Pastor Gary. You won't be witnesses for Nick. You won't even be witnesses for Apostle Di. You'll be witnesses for him. Christ is the heart of the good news for a non-Christian world. Yeah, there's 700 volunteers from Red Frogs on the Gold Coast this week watching out for these young ones. They aren't allowed to preach Christ anymore because they took government money years ago. So we're believing that some of these volunteers will actually rebel a little bit so that non-Christian world 
can hear the good news that Christ is the center of. Each person must encounter the living Christ themselves. I cannot encounter him for you. Let me tell you, he talks to me all the time. I know what you're going through because he tells me. But I can't do it for you. It's up to you. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2.2, For I determined not to know anything among you except Christ and him crucified. Whatever is in the past is in the past. Let me just see if there's any of those there. I probably could. If I try and juggle, you'll see me break two together. <laughs> the past is in the past, right? Who's been drinking from the cup of guilt and shame? We all have, right? The past is the past. That's the old wine skin. If you want the new wine, <laughs> they're not breaking so good now, are they? I need to try harder. If you want the new wine, You've got to get rid of that. The old wineskin is no good to you. Have you noticed when I talk about old wineskin, I'm not talking about the church? I'm actually talking about you? We hear it so often. The church is the old wineskin. Hang on, you told me you were the church. You are the old wineskin. No one offended yet? Good. If you're offended online, you've got the email address. You can send it through. I'll send it straight to Pastor Amel. <laughs> Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2.2, For I determined not to know anything among you except Christ Jesus and him crucified. I don't care about your past. I've sat with boy soldiers. I've sat with alcoholics. I've sat with drug dealers and prostitutes and addicts. Your past is your past. Get over it. And that might sound a bit harsh. I love you and I'll help you get over it. But don't carry it into the kingdom with you. You don't need to do that. We've all got hurt. We've all got guilt. We've all got shame. If you knew some of the things I'd done in my past, there's no way in the world I should be standing up here. In fact, I should have been dead many times over. But God. But God. So what then is our sphere of influencing and witnessing? In Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You want to witness to someone? Walk up to someone. Right, I'm only up to point two. I'm doing all right today. <laughs> Second one, the persecution of the triumphant church. Get ready for it. Someone called me a nasty name. Someone started a conversation with, you Christians, get over it. Jesus was crucified. One of my clients through the week told me how bad Christians were. They know I'm a pastor. I sat there. I was wearing my cross. They didn't get a reaction. They wanted one. The persecution of the triumphant church. Persecution, there's, there's two lots, isn't there? There's persecution from outside the church. Who experiences some of that? If you're not experiencing persecution from outside the church, let us teach you how to witness to people. You'll get some. 
especially family. <laughs> I've got to be very careful when I preach about family. Because if anyone goes back and watches the Boxing Day message from last year, they caused a lot of issues. But it was all truth, so the issues aren't mine. Acts 12.1 talks about Herod's violence to the church. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some of the church. You could replace Herod with Queen Anastasia or Chairman Dan. There's nothing novel about this statement, is there? The Herods of the world have always hated the church of our Lord Jesus Christ. They'll, they'll embrace Islam and they will embrace Buddhists and Hindus and everyone else but the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've got to persecute that. The ungodly monster who was the grandfather of this Herod had sought to destroy the infant Jesus. Do you think of that? And now his worthy descendant sought to destroy the infant church. So right from the beginning, the church learned to cope with opposition and antagonists. Now, as someone who likes to argue, I've really got to try not to. Because these people, you can trip them up so easily. But sometimes you need to take the higher road, right? The church learned not to fear and not to fear greatly. No matter how strong the mighty Herod looked on his throne and how little and insignificant the church seemed to be, they didn't fear. They'd learned just to move on. But because the Christians learned that there was a power on their side, we understand there's a power on our side, right? That it's fighting for them and it's fighting for us now and it's fighting through them, it's fighting through us now, they knew they could conquer the mighty Herods. One service we missed during COVID, because we both had COVID. We still had an online service that day. Those of you that were part of the church at the time, you know some of the ways we got around the rules. We were fighting. And the Lord was fighting through us. When the government says, you can have a coffee and not wear a mask and you can go for exercise, guess what? The church is meeting in the park and we're going to have a coffee and preach the Lord as we exercise. You've got to play by their rules. We had more people coming during COVID than what we did after it. People were ringing us, where are you having church this week? Well, you would ask the Holy Spirit to tell you where that's going to be. But notice the rest of this story in Acts 12, 23 and 24. It says, Then immediately an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give glory to God. And he was eaten by worms and died. I love how they just add that bit in. He was struck because he didn't give glory to God and he was eaten by worms and died. But the word of God grew and multiplied. During persecution, the word of God multiplies and grows. Look at the underground church in China. You know, the fastest growing church in the world is in Iran. 
Do you think they have to put on Facebook where they're meeting? Or do you think people just seek the Holy Spirit and turn up? Oh, but you know, it's a little bit hot out there today and a bit windy. It might rain later. We'd better not go to church. We've heard all the excuses. What about persecution from the hypocritical Christians? Has anyone had some persecution from Christians? If you haven't, tell them you come to the refinery, you'll get some. It's normally a pretty good way to start. Certain earnest souls. Actually, I've got one of those, I think. I'll come back to that one. Certain earnest souls have apparently become convinced that the church is so encrusted with evil and so entangled with the world that it faces perilous times and is doomed to failure. Church has been around for 2,000 years. It's not going to fail. The church is here for the purpose of serving Jesus. He created the church. What these people have ceased to hope, they've ceased to hope, they've ceased to work, because Christianity is about work, right? Faith without works is dead. And it seems that they've also ceased to pray that the church of Jesus Christ will become the triumphant church. They've given up. They've given up. They've been so deceived that they believe there is nothing else left to do but get outside the church and throw rocks at it. We know some of these people. They're the ones that say, I'll go to church when the church catches up with me and where I am. I am better than the church. It's full of hypocrites. We sat down. We sat down yesterday day before actually, and said, what's the Holy Spirit saying? What are the six things we hear the most? That's old wineskin, right? I'll go to church when the church catches up with where I'm at. That, that, that could be emotions as well, couldn't it? Guess what? Oh, see that? That's a hard one to break, isn't it? We need to break these cycles in people's lives. I'm better than the church. I don't need to go. It's all full of hypocrites. I'll do my own thing. Guess what? Jesus is coming back for his church. They stand outside the church and throw rocks at it. They feel they must find some other institution or something themselves that they need to start to carry on the work of God. God works through his church. But separating Christianity from the church is an impossibility. Hmm. Such a concept of separating the church from Christianity never existed in the minds of the early Christians, did it? Look at Acts 2.47. Praising God and having favour with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Did he say, and the Lord added to Billy Smith's ministry down the road every single day? No. It added to the church. God works through his church. 
Point three today. What are the perplexities of the triumphant church? That is making a mess now, isn't it? <laughs> I'm loving it until someone hands me a broom later. And so often it happens, doesn't it? When the church was growing and the future was full of promise, problems arose from within its fellowship. Acts 6.1 says that there were seven chosen to serve. It says, now in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. This was only the beginning of the perplexities of the early church. Everyone has a complaint at some stage. Church doesn't do this, church doesn't do that, church should do more of that. Guess what? If you're the church, you do it. We have the same amount of hours in the day and in the week as everyone else. Hmm. On the first missionary journey, Mark deserted the party, didn't he? And he went home. Before the second missionary journey, Paul and Barnabas had a falling out over Mark, who left them and went home. Acts 15.39 says, Then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another, and so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. Two things usually create all the problems in church experiences ever. Two things. Programs. How many programs does this church have? Zero. Second thing, people. You want to find problems in church? Have programs and people. We can have no programs, but we've got to have people. That's what the church is about. So a church with no program and no people would have no problems or issues, wouldn't it? Notice the, the, notice the rise of churches on Facebook that they don't actually meet. Notice the rise of ministries on Facebook and YouTube that they might do a live once a week or something like that. Perfect church, no people to worry about. No one's going to ring you and say, oh, well, I've got this issue with Michael. He's doing whatever. You know, Graham played the wrong key this morning. You know, that, that, no one's going to do that. And Graham didn't play the wrong key, by the way. But if you don't have people and you're not meeting, you've got no issues. So if there's a problem in the church that you're not happy with, have a look at yourself because it could actually be you. We see people that jump around from church to church and, you know, the pastor didn't do this. and It's always the pastor's fault or the church's fault. But if you've been to six churches in the last four years, guess what? The common denominator is probably you. Because churches aren't perfect. Humans aren't perfect. None of us are perfect. So we need to start looking at ourselves. Just got to see what this last one is. I've forgotten. It's a long one. I'm going to save that one until a little bit later. The perplexity because of programs is this. Imagine being a member of that little church in Jerusalem back there that launched the revival on the day of Pentecost. 
Can you imagine it? If 3,000 people walked in here today, we'd have the same problem, right? Suppose someone at the planning meeting, we don't do planning meetings, but we've sat in many of them in other churches. Suppose someone at the planning meeting made a motion like this. I move that on the day of Pentecost, we launch a campaign to introduce the gospel of Christ to Jerusalem. And that our goal be 3,000 converts in one day. I move further that after this, we, we send out a missionary force that will affect the whole world. I can hear the pastor there saying, now, now, brethren, chill out. I've got a lot of faith, but there's no need to be presumptuous about this, this, this revival meeting that you want to have. I believe the promises of God, and I think that in due time we should give due consideration to doing all that stuff. But there's not any need for us being foolish to th and foolish enough to think that we can do something as wild as that, as to reach the world, as to reach our city. Taking to the gospel to the entire world, that's ridiculous. You can, you can see people saying that, right? Who's preached in other countries? So there's four, five of us, six of us that have taken the gospel to the world. That's pretty presumptuous, isn't it? The church didn't have a chance because its whole program was wrong, wasn't it? We need 3,000 people saved tomorrow. They're all going to be members next week. We better find another building. Can't have programs. Let the Holy Spirit move. Let's look at the perplexity because of its people. Pretty glad they're redoing the floors too, by the way. They had 12 members of the church. All Galileans, except one, or oh, they're all obscure. None, they were nobodies. Much like when we planted the church. There were two of us, though. We're nobodies. But one of these men was different. He's the only one who had any standing in his hometown. You ever heard it said that you know, a prophet is never accepted in their hometown? Guess what? That's true. Because everyone goes, I know what you were like. I know what we used to do together. This man that had some standing in his hometown was called the man of Kerioth. Maybe the Chamber of Commerce one year had elected him person of the year. Maybe he was at the mayor's prayer breakfast and he was the MC or something like that. But since he was such an outstanding man, they elected him to be the treasurer. You know who we're talking about? They elected him to be treasurer. And we all know how that turned out, didn't, don't we? He turned out to be a thief. The treasurer of the first church that ever existed turned out to be a thief. Jesus chose him. So why wouldn't he choose you to do something? Now, with members like that, you wouldn't think you could do too much, would you? That's like letting the wolf of Wall Street become the, the treasurer of the church. It's like letting the CEO of FTX, if you know anything about crypto, one of the biggest exchanges in the world, went bust last week. It's like letting him 
be the treasurer of the church. We have a better average than that, don't we? Now, the purpose of looking at the first century church in comparison with Christ's church today is this. I want to remind you that God has always had to do his work through weak and imperfect men and women. He chose people that were nobodies. That's where the church started. No hardships that we have today are so great that those of the early church, or as those of the early church, none of us are going to get dragged out and whipped and thrown into prison this afternoon for preaching the gospel. Are we? We all feel pretty confident that we can walk out of here, get in our car and go home later. We're not going to get whipped. We're not going to get stoned to death for preaching the gospel. The warning I, I gave everyone a couple of years ago, though, still stands, get your bail money ready, because when they try and shut the church down again, we're still going to keep meeting. I'm happy to get locked up. You guys will have to bail us out. We'll get some people saved when we're there. None of the challenges that we've got today are anywhere near as hard as the early church. And they invaded the entire world with the gospel. We pray it all the time. Lord, we, this city will be one for you. It will be known as the God Coast. There's actually some work in that for each and every one of us. We have to do it. The power is within you already. The day you accepted Christ as your Lord and Saviour, you've got the Holy Spirit in you. Heard me say it almost every week, let him out. Before a generation had passed away, not a city of any importance in the Roman Empire had not been invaded by Christians and didn't have its own church. Yet they were being persecuted. How did they do it? How can we do it? The church has changed. Especially in the last few years, the church has changed. With such persecutions and perplexities, how can the church experience victory and truly become the triumphant church? Let's see how victory came to the early church. Because victory comes to the church today in the exact same way. You know, God's still the same, still sitting on the throne. Yesterday, today, forever. So what's the power of the triumphant church? After Peter and John had preached through Jesus the resurrection of the dead, or from the dead, sorry, Luke reports in Acts 4.4, many of those who heard the word believed. And the number of men came to be about 5,000. 120. 3,000, 5,000. The church is growing. What did they do? They preached the word. Christ resurrected. This resulted in Peter and John being arrested and asked by the Sanhedrin, by what power have you done this? The question is still asked of the triumphant church today. We saw so many people get slain in the spirit through the week. 
it was unreal. We haven't seen that in a long time in Australian churches, didn't we? At one stage, we, we both got called up the front to be prophesied over. And all I heard was a man to go that way, and I fell forward face first. The Holy Spirit is still active, right? What is the power of the triumphant church? It's the power of prayer. If you want to see the power of prayer, come on a Saturday morning. If you want to see the power of prayer, join Pastor Romel and Pastor Grace every second Wednesday afternoon or evening at their place. You'll see it. I heard a story of, of Caroline, Sister Caroline. She's there punching the devil on Wednesday. Come on. <laughs> That's what we need. Throw a few punches every now and then. Kick it if you need to. Luke said that for 10 days and nights before launching their crusade on Pentecost, the church prayed. They were waiting and praying together. That makes the difference. It made the difference back then and it will do it now. They prayed 10 days and 10 nights and they preached for 30 minutes. And they had 3,000 people saved. We do it a bit differently today, don't we? We preach for 10 days and nights and we pray for 30 minutes and get three people saved. Can you see the difference there? We've really got it backwards. Everyone wants to be a preacher. If you only knew the cost of that. If you only knew how long it took to prepare a message. If you only knew the, the prayer that goes into preaching the persecution that comes from preaching. I remember an old pastor of ours, strong man of God. When we, when we said to him, we're going to be pastors, he's going, like, why would you want to do that? Why would you want to be a pastor? I'm like, yeah, yep, I hear where you're coming from, but God said. We must place the emphasis of the early church or where the early church placed it. They placed the emphasis on prayer. And that's how they experienced the victories that they experienced. We need to do the same thing. Why do you think Cindy's dad is free of leukemia? Because so much prayer went in. He's not even saved yet, but he will be. He will be. It's the power of personal involvement. Not all of us can travel the world and preach. But you can pray for the ones that are. You can support them. You can get behind them. It's the power of personal involvement. When they launched the campaign, doubting Thomas, cursing Simon. Not our Simon, but cursing Simon. Bad-tempered James and John, in spite of their weaknesses, they were all there. Isn't that awesome? When Reformation comes to the Gold Coast and revival comes to the Gold Coast, you can all be there. No one's excluded. The power of personal involvement is still required today. A handful of us are, are heading off to Israel in June. Now, not everyone has the opportunity to do that. But let me encourage you, you can be involved by praying for us while we're there. It's the power of unity. Don't stand outside and throw rocks. Don't talk about the brother or sister that's sitting next to you. Be unified with them. 
Acts 2, 1 says, they were all with one accord in one place. That doesn't mean that the members of the early church always agreed. We know that wasn't the case. But they did always love one another. They were united in Christ. Pagans would say, behold those Christians, how they love one another. Pagans look at the church today and go, look how those Christians fight with each other. They can't even agree on anything. It's the power of joyous optimism. The early church knew that in spite of their small numbers, in spite of their lack of money, starting to sound like the refinery now, aren't we? Small numbers, lack of money. In spite of all their personal limitations, they're going to win. Come on. Come on. And so when they, when they went out in joy, even in the midst of persecution, God moved. That's the spirit in which we must win the victory today. And it's how we're going to continue to be the triumphant church. Jesus said, be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. The world. It's just through that door there. <laughs> Can I do this one now? I'm going to finish up in just a second. This is a big one. This will be a hard one to break. This is something we hear way too often from the church, from believers. The church no longer moves in the power of the Holy Spirit. Or, could also be said, the fivefold ministry is not operating in the church anymore. The world doesn't say that, do they? The church says that. Is that part of the old wineskin that we want to break? Look at that. I told you that would be a hard one, didn't I? Lucas, can you grab that for me, please? In fact, Lucas, why don't you break it? <laughs> Praise the Lord. The church is the mighty arm of God. That's a good one to break, right? Because God works through his church. If we are born-again believers and we say we are the church, the Holy Spirit is within us already. So how can we say the power of the Spirit doesn't work through the church? Again, that's on the individuals if you say you're the church. You're it. The church is the mighty army of God. I've got it, lined, I've got it sorted out already. We are walking the same path as those first apostles. We're walking the same path as the church walked way back then. Nothing's changed in 2,000 years. The church is still persecuted. They just do it in different ways now. Believers within the church still attack their brothers and sisters. They just do it in different ways now. We are all one body. We are not divided 
we had on Thursday night at this conference, there's three Pentecostal churches along this strip in the city. There's us, Pastor Dale at River Church, and then there's Surf City, Presence Church, Pastor Justin. You know, all three of us were there together, worshipping together. That's unity. Pastor Mike Barrett was there worshipping with us. Pastor Amos from London flew out for the conference, was there worshipping with us. Pastor Kevin, worshipping with us. That's unity in this city. We might not all preach the same messages other than Christ crucified. We might not all have, it was quite interesting, there was a lot of skinny jeans and smoke machines and that sort of thing. Guess what, we didn't dress like that. But there was unity because we're one body and we are not divided in this city. We are one in hope and doctrine and we serve the one true God. So I'm going to finish up right there, except I'm going to ask Aunty Patty, can you, can you bring me the new wine, Aunty Patty? So we've broken the old wineskin, right? This is symbolic. This is prophetic. Thank you. I really apologise to the person who's going to clean up. Do we want the new wine? Yes. Do we want to be the new wineskin? Yes. I was going to put cordial in this so it was red, but that would be even stickier. So if, if we're the new wineskin, right? See how clear it is? None of those things written on it. None of that stuff being carried. So we, we have some new wine. Reckon that's enough? Hang on, hang on a minute, we were just breaking this stuff off. This is the stuff we were carrying. Look at it all, it's everywhere. Do you want the new wine? Yes. Are you the new wineskin? Yes. That's probably enough, right? Just half full? Half full, lukewarm even, if you want to fill the bottle, it's really lukewarm. Is that what you want? Should we get some cold wine? Would that be a little bit more? That's probably enough for most people, I think. <laughs> Is it enough? Actually, I think for most people that's probably more than enough because at about this level, persecution starts, right? So how about... That's probably it. But you're full now. You're full of the Holy Spirit. That's surely enough for you. But weren't we, weren't we the old wineskin? Are we still the old wineskin or are we the new wineskin? But you're full of the new wine now, so that's, that's good. You want, you want some more? There, there we go. Is everyone happy with that? No. This is what we need. Who wants the overflow? Who, who's got the mop? <laughs> is that enough? Is that enough? Because... What does the Bible tell us to do? When we're filled up to overflowing, we're supposed to empty out. I hope Alan's not, not watching on the security camera. And what happens when we get poured out? 
we get filled up again. But, yeah, that's probably enough the second time around. So we keep going. Oh, oh, we're full again. We're overflowing. What happens the second time you get filled up? I apologise if you come up for prayer. <laughs> so we're empty again with a new wineskin. More wine. You guys are greedy today. You guys are greedy today. Look at it. Now, unlike this bottle, the new wine doesn't run out. Let me encourage you today. Really hope Alan's not watching on the security camera. <laughs> Let me encourage you today. That old wineskin mentality, get rid of it. I'm so sick and tired of hearing it from Christians. All those things we broke off, and there's so many more. They're probably our top six. Break them off your life. Become the new wineskin, ready to be filled up. We've seen so many people want the new wine, and they bust because they're old wineskins. Let's be like the Acts Church. We might have 120 one day and 3,000 the next. And then we go around preaching the word and praying, and then we've got 5,000. Come on. That's my encouragement to you this week. Let's pray. Let's pray. Yeah, Graham, could you play for me, please? Or Peter as well, yeah, whoever. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that we break that stuff off our lives. Lord, that we are the new wineskin. Lord, we are the church. Therefore, we must be the church. Lord, we thank you. We thank you. It's all about you, Lord. It's not about me. It's not about Apostle Die. It's not about Joe. It's about you. Fill us, Lord, to overflowing. And as we pour ourselves out, fill us again. And again, and again, and again. Lord, the glory is yours. This city will be one for you. Lord, this city will be changed for you. I see a time coming when <laughs> schoolies don't come here to have a beach party. They come here to see you. Lord, we thank you that you've chosen us for this time and this hour. We thank you, Lord, that you you're pouring out your blessings on us, that we're seeing healings, we're seeing miracles, we're confusing doctors, that we're seeing souls come into the kingdom, Lord. Lord, I thank you. I thank you, Lord. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. <laughs> Clean up crews here. <laughs> Thank you, Lucy.